friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one, let's go. That's Jesse Rubinoff doing a thing that I think he calls dancing. Oh, I'm man. Tim McCallum. Feeling it. Not dancing. This is Tim and Friends. Did you say feeling it? Yeah. Okay. Lots to celebrate. Today, those go. friends include Adam Rank and David Amber. Dagger Deliverer, Sam Adekube mm. of the Canadian men's soccer team. And, of course, you, the friends of the show who can dance whenever the hell you want. <laughs> when people ask me, Jesse Rubinoff, about what I like most about sports or what sports I like the most or where we need to start on any given day, it honestly gives me anxiety. You know this from our meetings. Yeah. Like, I love sports, all sports, almost to a fault, according to some. Not this weekend, Botch. <laughs> this was yet another holy shnikes weekend. I turned into Elizabeth Barrett Browning. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And yes, I had to Google who wrote that. I'm not just spitting that type of knowledge or acting like I could. We don't do that around here. Oh, sports, you did it again when many of us needed the distraction the very most. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Let me tell you, this weekend brought more tings than Carabana or March breaking Cancun. The Rams play in the Super Bowl at home, and they're doing so against the Bengals. The Cincinnati ba- yes, those Bengals, led by the latest edition of Joe Cool. That's right, that guy. So cool. Just led the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. The Raptors win a triple overtime game in Miami with four players playing more than 55 minutes. No problem. They just play four or five games, excuse me, four games over five days starting tonight in Atlanta. And you can see it on... Sportsnet. Canada proves they are more than just Alfonso Davies getting the full six points in Honduras against the United States with Fonzie watching on Twitch. I'm just halfway there. Rafael Nadal won his 21st Grand Slam title. We're going to have to squeeze it in somewhere. Ashley Barty, a homecoming for the ages. Jesse goes 2-0 against the spread, and I go, well, never mind. Stay humble. Stay humble. One game left. One game left. <laughs> and, of left. course, Evander Kane scores the first goal in his first game with the Oilers. The Leafs storm back in Detroit and Calgary continues to fan the flames. Carey Price speaks to the media for the first time in months, and he's immediately asked about a trade. And the icing on top of the sporting cake is that the greatest of all time is retired. Or is he? This weekend was so crazy, we aren't really sure if Tom Brady is retired, and it's not the lead in most markets around North America. Jesse, what in the good name, Chris Fuamatuma'afala, are we doing here? Okay, so uh, my wife uh, isn't much of a sports fan, um, but the last few weekends, she's like in another room, 
being like, why are you screaming like that? <laughs> like, are you okay? What's going on? Like, that has been sports uh, lately. Yeah. And I feel like if you, if you like emotions, like you like feeling things, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the last couple of weekends definitely have been that. I dented, we have a low roof in the basement. Yeah. I dented the roof this weekend. <laughs> no. With Sam Atacube. Like the jump? Like Sam Atacube. Yeah, hands up. Oh, hands up. Okay. Sam Atacube dented the roof. Yeah. Maybe I'll tell him about it because That's he's going to join us in mere moments emotions, from now. Emotions, feelings. Uh, dented the roof with my hand. You're going to like that. It hurts a little bit. All right, settle down, kids. Let's get into first things first. What's the Lido, Paul Pescasolito? First things first. I think you know what the lead is. It involves don't. you jumping and hurting your hands on the ceiling. There's a lot of places we could have gone. Yeah. But like you mentioned, Brady might, may or may not make it into this block. We'll see how things go, which is insane Same. and not how he wanted it uh, for sure. Another day, another win for Canada soccer, making back-to-back 2-0 victories. This time over the United States yesterday in Hamilton, Kyle Laren. Got the scoring started early while Sam Atakubi put the game away in extra time. The hype train for this team is rolling across the country right now. Timmy, what's the most significant part of this unbelievable run? I think that the answer is two parts. There's one for the actual team and one for the actual culture. For the team, the depth shown in this program is the most jaw-dropping part of it. I mean, six points without Davies and Steven Estacchio, who, by the way, is going to Porto. That's how good he is. He will play Champs League. And it's Tejon Buchanan, Jonathan David, Kyle Laren, who all stepped. We, we listed the guys who needed to step up in the absence of those two. And those three guys are basically your first three goal scorers. Add out a Kubi on the end and are... I mean, let's be honest. Our Tim and Friends new keeper crush? Oh, 100%. Like, Stephanie LeBay was on the show last week, and I was saying, we're going to need to decide who my next keeper crush is. And yesterday I saw her tweeting mm-hmm. on the interwebs, I'm not giving up Minister of Defense, but we got to find a nickname for Milan Borean. Is, is it the Great Wall of Borean? <laughs> do we need to do better than that? Like, he has been unbelievable, and this save, like... Keeper's dream of saves like this. It's just, first of all, the reflexes are unbelievable. And he's, he gets the crowd going. He gets his team going after these two. Like, he's pumping his chest. He's raising his arms. Like, he's having fun out there. He was yeah. wearing the armband yesterday. Like, he's a leader out there. And you can tell that when he makes these saves, not only are they, like, momentum changing, but he makes sure that they're momentum changing because yeah. he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Well, he's been through the war, and that's literal, like yeah. literal. Yeah. So when you see him in these moments, like there's he, he, steel sharpens steel, and you can just tell that he there, – there's a clip. And, and, Dobbs, before we get to the culture part of this, Dobbs, our producer, I wouldn't mind playing the clip from Milan Borian because we're talking about him now, and I, and I felt like um, the clip from after the game kind of describes why he is who he is, and to me it's very cool. You all know that uh, I came when I was 13 years old, you know. Canada gave my friend, uh, my family everything. We're one country, you know. The Canada is a multicultural country, you know. And, uh, and we fight for, the, for what's given to us, you know. And, 
and it's given uh, they Canada gave us peace, you know, better schools, better life, better everything, you know. And this is the just the way of us to return it to Canada, you know, just bringing them to the World Cup after 30 something years. It's uh, you know, it's something special. And uh, when when somebody gives you that much uh, love and everything, you know, you you have to return it, you know. And uh, we're we're doing our best, you know, to to return that love to 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 this amazing country. And because of it, I mean, I said six points would be good in this window. They've already got the six points. I said seven points would be great. Nine points would be unbelievable. And they're on the verge if they can go to El Salvador to not only get those nine points, but there is a slim chance, as you can see, that they could actually qualify for Qatar in this window. Like, it just doesn't seem real from where we started with not just the program, but even before this specific World Cup qualifying, they haven't lost in 10 matches. Like, they haven't lost in 10 matches. They have the best goal differential by six uh, in the World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. It just seems like the momentum and confidence, like they belong. Like that, that's the feeling that I got from that yesterday and from watching the Honduras match and watching the matches before that. Like we're not, this isn't the previous uh, Canada programs. Lots of success, obviously, in the past individually, but they haven't made a World Cup in a very, very long time. And it feels like the confidence and momentum at an all-time high, they belong on the big stage, and that looks like, that's where they're going to be going. Yeah, I know there's a lot of hardcore saying, like, slow down, hush up, don't jinx this. Don't jinx it, but, like, uh, come on. This has been, and when I said jaw-dropping, like, I know I said it casually, but it is jaw-dropping. It's yeah. jaw-dropping to see where they were 8-1 loss in Honduras to where they are now. It's unfathomable. And for the culture, um, I mentioned it was two parts. It was for the actual team and the culture. There are two different things. But for the culture, the fighting for relevance is a thing of the past. Like, I remember when we had uh, the Toronto Raptors win a national, uh, win a world championship. And part of Sid and I's reaction to the world championship was, we told you so. Right? Like, there was a, we told you so. And the Canadian soccer fan has been so fragmented for years. Uh, people would watch Serie A. People would watch La Liga. People would watch the Premiership. And you could never get all of the soccer fans into one thing save the World Cup. And the World Cup was absolutely huge numbers. So there were some in this country who discounted what the soccer fan was in this country. No longer. Like the absolute scenes from the bus coming in to the goals being scored. And this isn't just Hamilton. This isn't just Edmonton. This isn't just Toronto. Like what you're seeing is a revolution of the culture. And I'll talk to Sam Atacubi about this. But listen, I'm not going to act like I've been around this culture the entire time. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with soccer in my late teens, early 20s. And I jumped on the bandwagon. But there are people that I grew up with, there are people older than me that never thought they would see anything like this in their life in Canada. And now when you go to the pitch to play your men's league, your beer league, your kids game, it's no longer talking about, hey, how'd your Portuguese team do? Hey, how'd your Italian team do? Hey, did the reggae boys qualify for the World Cup? Nah, 
The conversation is Canada for the first time, maybe ever, in this country. The conversation is Canada, and it's unbelievable to see. Just a remarkable job by uh, John Herdman, and he echoed a lot of those same sentiments uh, post-match yesterday, saying he, he wanted to lead this program to a place where fans could be proud to wear the Canadian jersey or kit uh, instead of maybe your ancestors, where your ancestors came from or where mm-hmm. you came from, um, but wear the Canadian jersey. And it seems like at this point, obviously they haven't officially clinched yet, but it seems like to your point, mission uh, <laughs> and, and full credit to that dude. Like, John Herdman has been unbelievable on yeah. all this. And it's funny because I had a friend of mine uh, who lives in the States who's Canadian and kind of lived this journey that I just talked about. And he's like, Greg Bearhalter does not have the tactics to break down. They have the talent. The United States dominated large parts of that game. But yeah. there was no point where you're like, oh, dear God. Like, Canada is hanging on. They had the one chance. Boreham made the save. But... Bearhalter just didn't have an answer or the tactics to help the American team with all that talent break down Canada. And you, when you leave the United States salty, you have done your job. <laughs> Here's Bearhalter after the game, kind of, sort of salty. It's hard for me to remember a performance away from home this dominant um, without getting a result. We're playing on a very narrow field. Um, it probably has the width of Yankee Stadium. And we're playing on a very poor um, field turf. So that also translates into some difficulties in, in, um, in processing and creating chances. But that's not an excuse. That sounded like an excuse. <laughs> you know what my reaction to that is? You know the, the, the oof gif? Yeah. Like, just like, oof. That's a well, tough there, luck. There's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. And they were ripping him in the States for saying, we'd love to see Canada qualify, just not now. Like, <laughs> he was very gracious, almost too gracious to the Canadians. And in, in the United States right now, he's being raked over the coals. So I understand he was trying to make some excuses. Uh, but regardless, 2 nothing, the final for Canada, as mentioned, Sam Atacube in uh, about 15 minutes' time. Unbelievable. Not even. Unbelievable. Okay, another great weekend in the National Football League as well. Last night, the Rams came back from down 10 points in the fourth quarter to beat the 49ers, booking their ticket to the Super Bowl, while the Bengals, who trailed by 18 in the first half, pulled off a big overtime upset against the Chiefs, making their first Super Bowl since 1989. Long time ago. Tim, let's start with the early game here. Are you more impressed with the Bengals or disappointed in the Kansas City Chiefs. This is not to take anything away from Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, a defense that somehow figured out Patrick Mahomes in the second half. Uh, it felt like a choke job from the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs who have been there and done that. I don't know the Patrick Mahomes that I saw in the second half and overtime. Like, that is almost foreign to me to see what he did. And if you look at, as ESPN tweeted this out, Patrick Mahomes, QBR by half, first half, 98.0. Second half, 1.4. It's the largest gap in a player's QBR by half in the playoffs since they began tracking in 2006. There, there was a point there where the Chiefs were four yards away from winning the game. Oh, yeah. Four yards away from winning. It was when they were going to punch it in, according to Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the broadcast. And many of us watching it. I'm not throwing stones from my glass house. This play, to end the first half, 
I hated. Changed everything. You, you gave the other team momentum. But in the end, they were four yards away from winning that game in the fourth quarter under a minute to go, and Patrick Mahomes couldn't get it done. The Chiefs' offense that had been so good for so long couldn't get it done. And to me, it was the Chiefs who did not finish this game. You were up 21-3. to Like, admit it. You bet the Bengals. At 21 to 3, you thought that jam was done. Tim, I th- at seven and a half, you oh, thought that was done. Like, I, not even I, the game. I thought it was. I, I actually in a group chat. I said uh, at 21 through, it was like plus seven and a half in serious danger. I actually think I said that when it was 14 three, because it felt like you're watching the game. It was like this is a vintage Kansas City Chiefs performance. Like they were going to yes. blow the Bengals out of the water. The Bengals, yeah, nice story, yada yada. They went to Tennessee. They beat the Titans. They beat the Raiders. Whatever. But this is a real team here that they're up against, and they're probably going to lose. And then what we saw from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the second half was probably the worst half Patrick Mahomes has played as a quarterback with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I really don't think that's hyperbole when you consider what happened in this game. Like even to get into overtime, they had every opportunity to win that game, and instead they had to kick a 44-yard field goal just to get into overtime. Like I said, they were four yards away from the win and a third straight appearance in the Super Bowl. They lost 22 (laughs) yards and turned the ball over and changed some people's opinion, not mine, some people's opinion on the overtime rule. Yeah, I mean... Not mine either, because most of most of the time, still overwhelming. Most of the time, they still win that game. Now ten and two. Ten now ten and two. Yeah, exactly. You ten and one going in. You now got the stats to back me up. Uh, okay, so so obviously, this, I don't think this changes who Patrick Mahomes is. He's still a phenomenal quarterback and probably one of the best, if not the best, still in the league. But Joe Burrow has arrived here, right? Like, yeah, I thought the I, listen. It's a great story. I thought it was overblown. What Joe Burrow did in the playoffs is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the stats to back it up, are they're all first quarterback drafted, first overall to lead his team to the Super Bowl in the first two seasons. No quarterback has won the Heisman, the national title, and the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow has a chance to do that in three years. And the only other two who have won as a starter, a national championship and a Super Bowl, are Joe Namath, and Joe Montana, and now the latest edition of Joe Cool can yeah. pull that. There's a lot of great stories. He was good, but he wasn't great. The defensive adjustments that the Bengals made or Patrick Mahomes not being able to execute was the difference in this game. And that's why if you're asking me to look ahead to the Rams and the Bengals, I like the Rams. But listen, I'm not trying to... Joe Burrow was good. He just wasn't as good as everyone. Like, every time we do this in the postseason, the quarterback takes way too much heat for losing and gets way too much credit for winning, and that was the case in both games. In both games, I thought the defenses were a bigger story. Aaron Donald was the best player in the weekend. He plays for the Rams, for those who don't know. And the Bengals' adjustments are the reason why they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals did make the adjustments, right? They had the two safeties for most of the game, and then they changed and started bringing a safety down, and and that uh, ended up changing things. But what I will say about Burrow is that um, I think the over-under on his rushing yards yesterday at the beginning of the game was eight. 
And there were those third downs where he was doing things that you don't normally see Joe Burrow do. And those are winning plays that had he not made those, he just goes down for the sack there. But that game's pretty much over. Is is this maybe, and you know this, like I've been pretty high on Burrow since his rookie year. Like, and, and when he got injured, and I, the, the funny thing was is that I thought they should have drafted an O-lineman ahead of Jamar Chase. Chase. Everybody did. You're right? not alone. Yeah. And, and I thought you need to protect this asset because he got hurt in his first year. And lo and behold, Jamar Chase, <laughs> one of the big reasons why they are. So I feel like maybe my expectations were a little bit higher for Joe Burrow, given where I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not trying to knock him down a peg. I'm just trying to give some credit to a pair of defenses that I thought were the difference in the Bengals and the Rams. They did a really good job. Um, speaking of defense, uh, the 49ers had a chance in the fourth quarter of that game with the Rams to end it. Uh, Jakowski Tart. Dropped an interception, which should have been an interception. Now we have Matt Stafford in the Rams. How quickly a narrative can change. Oh now God. the L.A. Rams the are going is. to the Super Bowl. And everybody's like, oh, Matt Stafford, he goes to the Rams. He's finally going to make it to a big game. Now he's finally going to get it done and go to the Super Bowl. And, I mean, th- yes, the game's not over if he makes that catch. But it helps. But it significantly <laughs> helps. Yeah. And that's a 500 ball, Timmy. Like, that's that's playing in the schoolyard, and it goes up, you yell 500, not, and he just dropped it. Not a 50-50 ball, a 500 ball. I don't Literally. know if everyone played 500 when they were kids, yeah. but I know exactly what you're talking about. Get the old tennis ball exactly. or the baseball bat, tennis racket, you pop them up. Whoever gets it in the air gets 500. Off the of bounce, it's 100. Yeah, I know what you're talking about You know what people here. were saying on Twitter and, and, and the text threads? were like, is Stafford hurt after that throw? It was like, is he... Is he like, okay, is everything okay with his arm? Because he, he wasn't, like, spectacular to that point in the game. Yet, again, here we are. Narratives change very quickly because that play isn't made. Then Jimmy ends up throwing an interception uh, to lose the game. So, uh, what, if if anything, is your main takeaway from this game? Because I... I, I Aaron Donald is an absolute beast. beast. Good luck. Bengals O-line. And, yeah, the Bengals O-line is in some trouble. And, and, <laughs> and the defenses deserve... I know it's not sexy, I know we want to we want to focus in on Jakowski Tart or however you say his first name, and I'm going to get it tied up. And you said it really quickly so that you wouldn't have to say it. You saw that. You saw that. The answer. Jakowski Tart. Jakowski. Just let's go. Jakowski. Just go with Tart. I have it written down phonetically. I have it written down phonetically, and and I don't want to have to search for it. Jakowski. No, that can't. No, that's not. Jakowski Tart. Jakowski. There's no R. Jakowski. Kwaski Tart. Yeah, that's it. Got it. Jamie Tart. That's it. Ted uh, Lasso. So, <laughs> so okay. I just want to say. Jamie So there's still a chance that our season picks uh, we tie if we decide to choose what? opposite picks uh, in the Super Bowl. What? Because uh, I believe I'm up uh, two with my picks now. So if you choose a winning team, whatever, we tie, and then and then we'll have to think of some so good who do you, tiebreaker. Who do you like early? Because we're uh, not on next week. We're off for the Olympics. The early. I mean, I'm not making a pick right now, but you look at that line. I mean, the Ram, the, the, the Bengals O-line is going to have a very, very tough time, in my opinion. And that's going to be a lot to overcome, especially with Jalen Ramsey on Jamar Chase, which looks like it's it's. Gonna I already happen. got the Rams at three and a half. Okay, so it looks like I'm. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying like. I'm just saying I've bet them. We can discuss it. The line might move by the time like Super Bowl lines. No, you can move. put your foot down. You can put your foot down. It's Tim and friends. Like you can say like, no, I'm taking the Rams because it is more fun if we take opposite teams. So, I'm just it saying. Be, I think maybe we'll do some Super Bowl props. Yes or no? By the way, we are going to do some Super Bowl props. So maybe we can add that I kind of it. as a. 
sidebar. Yeah. Or the appetizer. Or maybe a, uh, a tiebreaker. But if you pick the same team as me, you beat I'm not me. doing that. I won't do it. I won't do it. Why not? Yeah, no, Guaranteed a, win. No, because that, that ruins the fun of it. Guaranteed win. No, I'll just, I'll just okay, how about emotionally this? We, we add this in. Is Tom Brady retired or not? Uh, no, but he is going to retire on his own terms, which is he's not going to play anymore. He's, he's done. He's done. I think it comes like soon, but he just didn't want us to be – he didn't want it to be the fifth thing that we talk about on Monday. All right, still to come, Adam <laughs> Rank gives his take on Championship Sunday and Tom Brady's potential retirement, <laughs> future retirement. He's going to retire. Is it going to be this offseason? David Amber on Hockey Day in Canada ahead of another busy night of action on Sportsnet. And after the break, one of Canada's Hamilton heroes, Sam Adekube, joins us live to discuss the afterglow of a Canadian win over the United States. Tim and friends, happy Monday, everybody. Let's go. ago the Bengals had the worst record in the NFL they won two games they've now won three games in January alone and they're heading the Super Bowl 56 and that might have been tipped home by the newest Edmonton Oiler Evander Kane Ashley Barty is the one at long last the Australian Open trophy is staying home and Nadal stands alone. Major title 21. The atmosphere in Hamilton, top notch. 12 plus thousand are carrying the flag, representing the emotion, the feel of the entire nation. Make no mistake, this Canada team has the dream of the World Cup and qualifying for it within their reach. It was blowing much more fiercely earlier. Larry with the layoff. Presented a lot of Canada, the dagger in the latest of a now long line of biggest games in Canadian soccer since 1986. And he celebrated with a little meditation, 
a little woosah moment we could all use these days. This, of course, after going viral in another celebration scene around the world. Fresh off of six points in Honduras and at home to the States, I am pleased to be joined by Canadian men's national team member Sam Adekube. Sam, welcome to Tim and Friends. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, holy bleep. <laughs> you guys have been on fire. Does it like what's it feel like in the midst of all this for you right now? Um, it's just amazing. It's an amazing moment. It's an amazing time for the country. Um, we're just we're just so happy. We're ecstatic. You know, we're we're excited where we're going, and we're just so positive, and we're just going to enjoy the moment each game as it comes. Okay, I want to get to where you're going, but let's talk about the goal. Like, you take that ball down close to midfield, first touch, nice. Second touch, turn the corner, and it's like you're on a breakaway. Like, what's going through your mind as you turn that corner on the second to third touch? Um, I didn't realize that he was the last defender, so I just started running down the pitch, and I was getting tired, and then they got close, and I just tried to shoot on target, and it went in, and then I just, like, I don't know. It was just like euphoric. It went crazy. I did. I couldn't explain how I felt. It was just like a surreal moment for me and the team. I know. I know you went woosa, and I saw Fonzie on the Twitch go go woosa in the moment. A little meditation. Like, did you when you sit down and you're in that like I'm going to meditate here? Like, did you feel the explosion in the stadium around you? Yeah, man, it's actually so funny because the night before the game, I spoke with my brother on the phone and I told him that if I score tomorrow, I'm going to do a little meditation and the crowd, the crowd's going to go crazy. But I wasn't expecting to score in the last minute. And honestly, it was just a, it was a crazy time just to meditate, but it was just like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It was just, it was just cool. You know, I'm just trying to like focus on my breathing, uh, close my eyes and I'm just hearing 12,000 people and my teammates go crazy. It was a moment, man. It was a, that's how you describe it. It was a moment. Um, did you notice that mom's back? I know you're talking about your brother who plays himself. Um, mom's back in Calgary kind of went viral celebrating with you guys. Did you notice this? <laughs> my girlfriend told me, and I was just like, oh, my God. The funny thing is I was on the phone with her in this moment, and I didn't know that like she was on the ground and somebody was recording her. I'm guessing it was my dad, but, you know, my mom's my prayer warrior. She's She's become from a very religious family, and I'm just happy that she was happy. Awesome. I, I talked to Christine Sinclair on the show, Steph Labbe, and I asked them in Tokyo if they could feel the love from Canada. And, you know, they said they could feel it through social media and when they got home. But you guys are here, like, in the hammer, in your home province in Alberta. Like, can you feel the country jumping on the bandwagon and just how big these moments are getting for Canadian football? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, for example, in Edmonton, we're seeing 45,000 people come out in minus 15, minus 20 degree weather. And also in Hamilton, the weather doesn't, the weather's freezing and we're just seeing the nation rally behind us. I think the most special moments are right before kickoff when we're singing the national anthem and we have the fireworks going off and we're having a hard time keeping up with the anthem because we can't hear it because the fans are singing so loud. And I think these are the moments that we wish to, to, to enjoy as footballers and the nation's rallying behind us, and we feel the support so much, and we're we're so happy, and we're so grateful to represent our country and have this wonderful opportunity. Even the arrival of the bus, like you grew up in Calgary, I, I grew up in Toronto. I, like I, I, I watched football my whole life in this country. Did you ever think we'd have scenes like this for soccer? No, um, I did an interview the other day. I, I, we were in complete shock because. 
the bus had a hard time getting through. There was flares everywhere. The fans there were those big like face shots of the players on the posters and stuff like that. And I think that just amped us up even more because we knew it was going to be a very important game and a difficult match. But when we talk about the nation rallying behind us, we were having fans come out to the stadium an hour and a half before just to see us walk to the to the locker room. And, you know, that environment, that feeling is something that you you can't recreate. It's just an, um, it's an unbelievable feeling. And we're so thankful to the fans because we know that CONCACAF is a difficult uh, region to play in and every game matters and every points matter. And we're just so happy to to have these opportunities to win at home in front of our fans with the anthem being so loud and the fans being so ecstatic. And I think this is something that, you know, like you just can't explain it. Like sometimes I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Without a doubt. And I know like I just, I got friends who grew up in soccer. They're calling me saying that they got tears in their eyes seeing this. Like I, I I'm not going to like real talk. Uh, for the man them, for the woman them, like I'm not going to act like I've been part of the culture uh, from time, but I grew up with friends. We have people who work on this show who have been in and around it. You grew up in a family that plays U Sports, CPL. Um, I'm 25 years in playing men's league. The talk on the pitch always was, how's Jamaica doing? How's Italy doing? How's Portugal doing? How's Greece doing? It was never, how's Canada doing? And I'm telling you, when I go to my men's league now, it's, can you believe that we have this in Canada? Do, do you realize that you guys are changing the culture of the game in this country? Most definitely. And that's something that John Herman's been preaching down to us. And that's something we want to embrace, you know. We're such a multicultural country and we're a country that loves to play football. And now we're seeing the fans rally behind us. We're seeing kids on Instagram, we're getting support from older people, from younger people, from different generations. And I just think when you're able to unite a country in a certain moment, that is just something so beautiful. And the fact that we're able to do it with football just speaks to how magnificent this moment is. What I've been most impressed about throughout is uh, the depth. And I've done a couple speeches on the depth of the program and how that's different from before. So Fonzie and Eustachio are ruled out. What was the talk amongst the boys? Nothing, you know. It's just next man up. We right. we have so much confidence in our group. We know Fonzie and Estacchio are great players and important players for the team. But we're a group of 25, 30 players, and we're a brotherhood. And that's something that John and, the, and us as the players, we, we make sure we reinforce that. It doesn't matter who's playing. We sacrifice we'll leave, we, we sacrifice our position for the better of the team. And Fonzie's been in that position. Estacchio has been in that position. Myself has been in that position. Not everyone can play. And ultimately, we're just more worried about qualifying to the World Cup. We're not worried about who's playing. We're just worried about who can who can give the most of the team in that moment in that match. And quite frankly, we have so many players that we can draw from, and that just makes it such an even better time for the team. What celebration do you like the most? The Wusa meditation moment, the snowbake selly, or Alfonso <laughs> on Twitch? <laughs> yeah, I called Alfonso after the game, and I didn't know that he was on Twitch. So when I saw it after, I was crying because, you know, me and Fonzo, we've known each other since we were younger. But uh, honestly, if I had to choose, I'd probably choose the, the meditation one just because it's, like, very, like, contrasting. You're trying to be still in front of 12,000 people screaming and jumping up and down, and it's just something you can't really recreate. When it came with the um, jumping into the snowbank, 
I wasn't really thinking. I was just happy in the moment that we were winning, and it was an important goal. And I just saw the snow, and I just did whatever, what every other Canadian kid would do when they see a big pile of snow. And and then all of a sudden it went viral because I don't really use go on my phone after the game. But then my brother called me, and I started getting a whole bunch of mentions, and my social media was going crazy. And then <laughs> I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to be caught on camera doing that. To be honest. It's crazy. Uh, like, so you go back to Turkey in the Super League. Like, are dudes on your team talking about this? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, when I first came, people didn't know how good of a team we are. And then they started looking at our squad. And then they saw that we have players playing in France, in Germany, in Portugal, in England. And they're starting to realize that we have a good team, you know. And, of course, they know people like Atiba, who's a legend out there, and Kyle Aaron, who was a top goal scorer last year. So, People, people are starting to believe in our group and they're starting to fear us. And that's, and that's what we want to happen because, like I said, we have so much trust and confidence in ourselves. And now we're just seeing it come to fruition. So a night of celebration, then like Bill Belichick, it's on to El Salvador? Say that again? I said uh, a night of celebration, then it's like Bill Belichick, on to El Salvador? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we enjoyed it last night, but now we're focused on El Salvador. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, honestly, this has been so much fun to watch. The team and the joy that you've brought represent so much of what is great in this country. Thank you. Thank the boys. And uh, best of luck in San Salvador. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, door is open if you ever want to pop by. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Atakube, uh, the dagger deliverer in Hamilton for Canada. That was amazing. Got, it got everything. I, 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 was, I wanted to hear like exactly what he was thinking during the goal and then what he was thinking in the jump into the pile of snow yeah. and and also what i got from that is that they're really at least sam is really listening to what john herbin has to say yeah. and what john herbin's been preaching about you know uh, leadership and, and how he can really change the narrative of canadian soccer in this country they're and doing that's it. very cool to see like that's no cool no bs like it's i always say this about Dwayne casey with the toronto raptors like he said he comes in he's going to change the culture and everyone says they're going to change the culture. And the amount of people who actually change the culture yeah. is like 1%. And these dudes, along with the women and what they accomplished in Tokyo, are changing the culture of football in this country. And for a lot of long-time old-school heads, it is, uh, like, it is emotional to see. And I've, I had at least five people reach out and say, I'm in tears, mm-hmm. which you don't get all that often as they beat the United States to nothing. All right, plenty more from the weekend still to get to, including an eventful day in Hockey Day in Canada. Evander Kane scores early in his Oilers debut. The Raptors beat the Heat in triple overtime, logging heavy minutes for their starters. And guess what? All they got is four games in five nights starting tonight. We'll discuss it all as much as we can next right here on Tim Friends. All right, so these are extenuating circumstances here on Tim and Friends. We had so much from the weekend that we couldn't fit it all in First Things First, so we have an extended version of First Things First after talking to what was a delightful Sam Atacube. Love, he was awesome. He's so just, genuine. Yeah, that, that's the word. Yes. Bingo has been called. Yes. Jesse Rubinov, like, real guy, super excited about being able to play for a spot in the World Cup. And by the way, Canada just moved up in the FIFA rankings again. Now in the top, I think they're 36 now. Oh, my goodness. As if you needed more reason to root for this team. And then Sam Atacubi comes on. 
And, yeah. and both he and Fonzie are from Alberta, and they kind of grew up together. So if you're wondering about the connection from the two, like crazy. Is, is Fonzie a better streamer than a soccer player? <laughs> no, Fonzie's no, I know that. One of the I'm best kidding. In the world, yeah. But I'm kidding. But he's pretty good at streaming too. I just have to say. Yeah, he, he's fun. My my uh, my son who's 11 was watching the stream both games. Yeah. So they were watching the games and watching Fonzie's stream. And he and his girlfriend Jordan Heidema, like if you look at the numbers that they do on social media, and like Fonzie could make an impact like way beyond any Canadian athlete before him. Because um, it's kind of cool to be good in a sport where the whole world cares, yeah. as opposed to half or one third or one fourth of the world. It's probably he's probably on his way, for, for being honest. Uh, okay, Saturday was Hockey Day in Canada from Scarborough, Ontario. And lots to recap from the weekend. Uh, the Oilers beat up on the Habs with a 7-2 victory. Vander Kane opening the scoring in his first game for Edmonton. The Leafs also put up seven goals, battling back from down 4-2 and scoring five times in the third period. Scarborough native Michael Bunton picking up a hat trick while the Flames, uh, they're back. They've won four of the last oh, six. Back. Johnny Goudreau with the overtime winner and a one nothing shutout of the Canucks. Timmy, what's the biggest story from the weekend? I believe the Edmonton Oilers scoring seven goals and Connor McDavid not having a point. Like, you and I were talking about how much ink was being spilt on the Leafs shuffling lines. The Oilers shuffled their lines. They put the three big boys down the middle and scored. Now, okay, it came against the Montreal Canadiens who aren't exactly, well, last year's Montreal Canadiens. Mm -hmm. But that's a wonderful start for not only the, the Edmonton Oilers and shuffling up their lines a little bit, but also Evander Kane. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Evander Kane in Edmonton. I'm not going to profess to know what Evander Kane is going to do for the rest of the season, but if Evander Kane's right, you can look at the history of Evander Kane and say this could be a real big pickup for the Edmonton Oilers on the ice. Nothing to do with anything off the ice, on the ice, given his scoring ability and the way he plays the game he could be a real impact player for this team. It's actually kind of ridiculous when you think about what they've just done. Like, the, the quality of production from Evander Kane over the last number of years and what they signed him for. Like, I understand. Obviously, everybody understands uh, the character issues that he had coming into this. Everybody gets that. But from a purely hockey standpoint, given what they paid for him, given that he was just sitting out there available. Didn't have to trade anything for him. Didn't have to him. trade anything for him. You're just going to get a guy who's like on the ice with Connor McDavid, scores 10 minutes into his first game. Like, he looked good. Uh, that was really, I think, important for them. I think your caveat, though, is why they got him the way they got him. Yes. Because it's a gamble. Yes. It, it could definitely. There's a bunch of things this weekend. I mean, the Leafs not blowing a lead, but in fact... Forcing the other team to blow the lead and showing their offensive might was interesting. Uh, being down 4-2 to the Detroit Red Wings, also interesting. But for me, the Carey Price mm -hmm. and meeting mm -hmm. with the media, uh, that was a big part of the weekend story in hockey. And it was just great to see Carey Price back and around the game and seeming like he's on his way to being good. It was a trying time for sure, but uh, at the end of the day, it was one that I knew that had to be made, and ultimately it was one that was uh, was successful. Being a goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens has been my life for the, over a decade, and um, you know, obviously ending the season on such a disappointing note last year, I just want to be able to get back in there and just continue playing 
Um, and to be able to put that sweater on again is something that, uh, you know, is keeping me motivated at this point. Not shocked, but surprised that in his first news conference since basically last season, mm-hmm. he was asked about being traded yeah. from the Montreal Canadiens. That's the market. I understand it. But it was a little bit jaw-dropping to have him answering questions about whether or not he wanted to be traded. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I guess we're part of the Canadian media, but that's, that's the way it goes. I hate the, the term media, like... Everyone's in the media right yeah. now. Yes. You go on social if you're if you're a member of social media. You have a Twitter account. Yeah. You're part of the media. Uh, David Ember, he's, David Amber, he's definitely part of the media. Well, he'll he'll light it up he's when he coming. joins us. Yeah, here. he's coming on the show. Okay, uh, it took Amber, triple overtime. Amber doesn't care. Uh, but the Raptors came away with a 124-120 victory in Miami on Saturday night. Now the big story: all five starters for the Raptors played over 50 minutes. That had never been done in NBA history. It blew up the socials everywhere. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. led the way with 33 points, while Fred Van Vliet hit two clutch three-pointers in the final overtime frame to help seal it. The Raptors are back in action tonight on Sportsnet 1. How exhausted will they be in Atlanta tonight? So not only has that never been done before, Siakam Barnes, Ananobi, and Gary Trent Jr., who, by the way, has been playing some ball. That's three straight games with 32 or more for GTJ, Gary Trent Jr. But when you look at these numbers, take out Fred Van Vliet, those are the most minutes in a game played by any player over the last five seasons. I repeat, the top four dudes on the Raptors just played more minutes than any player in the NBA in the last five seasons. And now they're going to go four games in five nights? Like... I don't know. Atlanta's been playing well. Trey Young is a game-time decision, so I don't know what Atlanta squad they're going to get tonight. But it doesn't look like they've got a hell of a shot against what are some pretty good teams, four games, five nights after playing a ton of minutes. Yeah, I just I, I don't know what we're working towards here. Like, Are we waiting until the trade deadline and they get some reinforcements and they get some players that can actually work in Nick Nurse's rotation? Or are they going to try and do this for the remainder of the season? Because we've already seen Fred Van Vliet now miss a couple of games with knee soreness. Like, what's the end game here for the Raptors? Did, uh, I think there's different end games here. Did the interview, we only have 30 seconds here, so I don't, but did the interview with Michael Grange and Fred Van Vliet where he talked about how important it was to be an all-star change your opinion it's an on the minutes point. that he's played it's an interesting point i don't know if it changed my opinion but it, it then does make me question like are we going to see them dialed back after the all-star game like are they going to play manageable minutes but if they don't have pe- players in the rotation that nick yes. nurse trusts they have no choice but we saw after we had one of these conversations where malachi flynn and delano banton played because they had to yeah yeah right I just don't know why we won't see that moving forward. Right, we got it t- time to take a break. We're hitting the top of the hour. Oh. This week to when we come back, Adam Rank stops by Chop Up Championship Sunday and an early look ahead to the Rams and Bengals Super Bowl matchup plus the drama around Tom Brady. Will he or won't he? We'll discuss with Adam Rank next on Tim and Friends. Now, time for Real Sports Talk 
with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two. And Tim and friends, full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 as we lead you right into Rogers' hometown hockey on Sportsnet. David Amber on the way, as is Adam Rank, who will help us break down Championship Sunday in the National Football League and look ahead to the Super Bowl. But we start this hour with hockey. The Leafs are back on home ice tonight as they host the Devils in the front end of a back-to-back with Los Diablos. You can see it nationally on Sportsnet, Sportsnet East, and Ontario following Rogers' hometown hockey. Jake Muzzin won't play tonight or before the All-Star break as he continues to recover from a concussion. William Nylander is on the second line with Tavares and Kerfoot. Jack Campbell starts in net. And Lindy Ruff, head coach of the Devils, isn't with the team due to the death of his father. Meanwhile, the Oilers roll into Ottawa, winners of four straight. You can see this on Sens, oh, nationally on Sportsnet West. Sens and Oilers. Got it good and since you understood. I didn't have it, so now I got it. <laughs> and now I'm good. And now I understood. What school I went, don't worry about it. The Oilers enter the night two points out of a playoff spot and we'll have Miko Koskinen between the pipes. The Sens counter with Matt Murray. Canucks face the Hawks nationally on Sportsnet Pacific. Vancouver coming off a 1-0 overtime loss in Calgary Saturday night. They'll start Yarrow Halak in net tonight. The Canucks begin the night four points out of a playoff spot. Canada's win over the United States has lifted them to 36th in the live FIFA World Rankings, their highest ever ranking. Now, this will affect seeding for pots in the World Cup draw if, in fact, Canada does get there. By the way, Mexico, United States, 13th, 14th as it stands. Canada got four points from both of them. (coughs) (laughs) Kyle Lowry listed as out for tomorrow's Heat and Raptors game at Scotiabank Arena, meaning the Lowry-Raptors reunion will have to wait. Lowry has missed the last seven Heat games due to personal reasons. We, of course, wish the best to Lowry and his family. Raptors, meantime, play four games, five nights, starting in Atlanta tonight. You can see the Raptors and Hawks in Sportsnet 1. Pre-game gets going 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Welcome to the AFC Championship game. Going to slide and throw to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Tyreek Hill! Touchdown, and it's 21-3. There it is to the end zone, and he comes down with it. This game is tied. Every week, I swear, we go to overtime. And 31 yards, McPherson, and Cincinnati is heading to the Super Bowl. It's a rivalry renewed with the ultimate stakes on the line. Stafford, end zone cup. He's got it. Touchdown Rams. Samuel, wide receiver screen. Good play. Big play. In for the touchdown. They're down and one. Stafford, end zone cut. Got it. Touchdown Rams. Garoppolo, under pressure. In the air. Intercepted by the Rams. And the Rams are going to Super Bowl 56. Bengals, Rams, our Super Bowl time for a little Monday afternoon quarterback. But our MVP, Rich Gannon, not available today. So we go to my MVP, Adam Rank of the NFL Network, who joins me now. What's going on, Adam? How are you, man? I am doing wonderful. Thanks to Rich Gannon for not showing up. I appreciate it. <laughs> Much like Super Bowl 37. Oh. No, that was cold. Oh. That was cold. Listen, 
He's not here. And, and if he's not here, bleep him, as Jeff Ross likes to say. Uh, dude, how in the good name of TJ Hushmanzada are the Bengals going to the Super Bowl? It's all about Joe Burrow, the magic of Joe Burrow. And on Friday's afternoon, uh, the edition of Total Access, I got into a little trouble, Tim. Okay. When I said that, when I said that uh, Joe Burrow was going to be the winner in that contest. And, you know, you know me. Canada loves me. And they know <laughs> that from time to time I might make a wrestling analogy. Uh-huh. And I might have said this was very similar to the time when Brock Lesnar who people thought was too young to be WWE champion at SummerSlam 2002, was going to emerge and beat the established rock. And uh, I got a lot of smoke on Twitter. And yet nobody, they, it, it's dis- that smoke has dissipated. <laughs> nobody wants to talk about this anymore. Because everybody's like, let's, re- let's, let's revisit this on Sunday. And I'm like, let's, let's revisit it. What, was I, what did I say that was so wrong? I think that Joe Burrow was in the right spot at the right time. I think he's the right player. I think there's nothing. I'm not betting against him ever again. I think it was just his time, Tim. All right, so listen, uh, you're never going to get the people on Twitter to reverse course and tell you that you were right. Uh, Trust me, I've tried in the past. (laughs) Um, And I want to have some fun with Joe Burrow and the rock-like turtleneck and chain. But let's be honest here. The defense and the adjustments, the bang. There it is there. There it is. <laughs> there it is there. That's actually the young rock right there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, let's, let's talk for a second. The defense, the adjustments they made versus Patrick Mahomes in the second half. Like, I don't think I've seen Patrick Mahomes as bad as he was in that second half. Yeah, he really did appear to be rattled. And I do want to give the Bengals defense some credit. Like, they deserve it. You know, they went out there. This is the second time that they've done this. Yep. You know, earlier this year, the Bengals were over, able to overcome a huge deficit and rally to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, it's a trend now. Like, we can now expect this. Anytime these two teams match up, the, the Chiefs will jump out to a lead and the Bengals will rally. But there's got to be something. Like, that was bad. Like, I... I don't know. Like, is there going to be something like a couple of weeks from now where like, oh, yeah, like uh, Patrick Mahomes is getting a new back or something. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> getting a new because back. Because it's crazy. Like, he was yeah. he was on fire. Like, I, I honestly was getting ready to slink into oblivion, being like, oh, my gosh, this is blowing up in my face. Patrick Mahomes looks fantastic. He was doing anything that he wanted on the field. And I know this isn't the reason why. But I think at the end of the first half, they got so caught up in their own hubris. Yep. Just so cocky. Like, take the three points. You're beating this team. You're the established team. Go out there. Take your field goal. Go into halftime. And yet, this is the play. Like, how do you at least not throw it to the end zone? I understand, like, giving Tyreek Hill an opportunity to make a play. But you got to do better than this. This has got to go to the end zone. You cannot allow something like this to happen. And even though Andy Reid... It's not where you, what call, what are you calling Patrick? There's nothing. There's no timeout to call. I know that Andy Reid, throughout the entirety of his career, has been maligned for his time management misnomers or whatever. That was bad. Like even for Andy Reid, that was unacceptable. Agreed. Uh, I know as media members, we gravitate towards QBs or quarterbacks in English because everyone knows them. It's kind of sort of easy. It's to connect to the audience, but. 
I give my audience a little bit more credit here, Adam Rank. I think they know that Aaron Donald might have been the best player on any field this weekend. Agree or disagree? I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. I will I will say this defensively. There was no better player than Aaron Donald. He has been a game wrecker. He has been a game changer. And I think a lot of people will not remember what happened on draft night. But the Rams then in St. Louis had a pretty good defensive line. And Aaron Donald was slotted for the number 14 pick going to the Chicago Bears. And the Rams took him. And it wasn't a need for them. But they understood that this was a great talent. I don't know why he slid in the draft. I don't know why he was slated so low. But the Rams did an amazing job of picking a guy that they didn't necessarily need, and it's worked out for them. That's one of the reasons why they're going to the Super Bowl. And we've talked about this before on your show. Like, this is an NWO style of cast where it's just like one stud after another. Just keeps showing up. Like, oh, why is OBJ in the crowd? Oh, no, he's wearing a Rams NWO jersey. There it is, Jalen Ramsey. All these studs that they've been bringing in. But the most important guy has been Aaron Donald. But, Tim, I'll tell you this. This is why I hesitate to say that he wasn't the best player necessarily because okay. I think OBJ was obviously – he's excellent. And I love I love how he – I love like – I just love the way he plays. Like, he has been given a bad rap his entire career. But you also look at guys like Cooper Cup, and you also look at guys like Debo Samuel. And I said coming into this game, the two most offense – the two most important offensive players in this game – we're the wide receivers, where if you look at the AFC, it's all about Mahomes and Burrow. That's all we thought, Mahomes, Burrow, Mahomes, Burrow. But in the NFC, it was all about the wide receivers, and both of those guys, Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel, showed up. But OBJ, I think, was kind of the one who swung it to the Rams' favor. All right, so Matt Stafford goes from zero playoff wins to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't know what the comparison is here to go from zero playoff wins to what could be a Super Bowl, like zero to 100 at the end of the – like, is this the Brooklyn Brawler or Canada's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp, winning the WWE title? Like, he's better than both of those guys. Right. But we've never seen anything close to a playoff win from Matt Stafford, and now he could win the Super Bowl. No, not at all. I think, you know, I was thinking about this because I knew I was going to try to make this connection. You know, a couple of years ago, Kofi Kingston was thrown into the mix because of an injury to Brian Danielson, and he was forced into the elimination chamber, went on to win the title, ultimately giving it up to Brock Lesnar, and he was what you would call a transitional champion, like somebody, a, a title holder for some time. I think that Matt Stafford could actually be the transitional champion going from the old generation to the new generation. Yeah. Like Tom Brady's out there. Tom Brady doesn't want a job again at the Super Bowl. So they're like, we'll have you lose in the playoffs. So you don't have to lose the, you don't have to pass the torch. <laughs> and there's going to be Matthew Stafford. He'll win one. Maybe he'll get his title. And then next year we can start in with Burrow. Mahomes can get back into the mix. We got Justin Herbert. Maybe my guy, Justin Fields at some point, but Stafford's just going to usher us in Josh Allen. Yeah. That's another great one as well. So for me, it's very interesting. I think, number one, we should just fold the Detroit Lions. Like, this is this is terrible. You had this guy? Like, you had this guy, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson. Like, this is inexcusable. Like, get out of the NFL. Like, can we just go back to 30 or something? Like, that's... This, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Matt, Sta- Matt Stafford's in the Super Bowl. Eminem is performing at halftime. Like, Detroit's there. This is... 
You're there. This <laughs> yeah, is that's it. the closest just, just you're going to get. Just be happy. Just go root. I hope all the Lions fans root for Matt Stafford next weekend. And that'll be that. And then we don't have to worry about them anymore. You can just listen. You're just the team that plays on Thanksgiving morning. Like that. There's no, that's cool. That's a good look. Listen, everybody has a role. Like you said, guys like Iron Mike Sharp yeah. and the Brooklyn Brawler, yeah. like they made great careers as jobbers. And if you're an NFL jobber, that's still not bad. It's still not bad work. You're getting paid. Yeah. You're making a lot of money. You get a primetime game every year. Like this is fun. That's good for you, Detroit. Being in the Super Bowl, not so much. A lot of Windsor Detroit fans just irate right now. Uh, since we're on the right. No, 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 no. They, they, they know. They're, yeah. they, they're they sad. Do know. They do know. They're in their Labats, just sad. Labats. Just... <laughs> I love the American reference of Canadian beers. <laughs> what so, am I supposed to yeah, say? No, it's <laughs> both of them work, but it's the go to in your Labats. It's kind of like the brand. I don't know, whatever. Um, while we're on wrestling, did I got a sot here, so, so let it play out. Did Tom Brady. Undertaker us, Adam Rank. Oh my God. <laughs> or is he just retiring? What's what's going on here? Oh my gosh. I you know what? I, I, I could see number one, he didn't want to take away from the moment. Of these four great quarterbacks, well, these three great quarterbacks and Jimmy Garoppolo, who are going to be playing <laughs> on uh, Championship Sunday. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to take the spotlight away from him, and that could very possibly be the case. And he yeah. wants to go out on his own terms, <laughs> and he wants to make his own announcement. Or else maybe he's just really upset now, and he's like, Adam Schefter has goaded him back into one more season. Like, he, he was ready to go. He was ready to ride off. Like, he was like the Undertaker, leaving his boots in the middle of the ring, and he thought, like, maybe this is it. But there's going to be one last ride. Maybe he does need to put somebody over. Maybe he, you know what? I think that once Josh Allen lost, he he just decided to go out. I think what needs to happen is the Buccaneers need to go to the Super Bowl next year. Josh Allen needs to beat him, and then that would be the oh, one. That would be the that would be the passing of the torch. The handing. That would be the one. Leave the cleats in the middle of the field. I would love to see that. Uh, maybe with a, a strawberry or an avocado toast or whatever it is he eats. <laughs> right. And just go out water. in style. Yeah, a lot of yeah, water. There you go. A lot of water and a foot massager. Uh, all right, before we let you go, we got breaking news. Adam Rank, while we were talking, although it's not that breaking because a lot of people knew it was going to happen, it's just official. The Las Vegas Raiders have hired Josh McDaniels as their head coach. It's official. Josh McDaniels, head man in Las Vegas. What do you think? I like it. I, I think that, you know, what happened in Denver was a long time ago. He's learned from that. We've seen a lot of coaches get second opportunities and really make the most out of it. I think the one thing that will stand out for me was that he drafted Tim Tebow, and it did not work out. Like, it wasn't a great pick or whatever. But I think Josh Allen was kind of on to something. Josh Allen. I think Josh McDaniels was on to something, that he needed a mobile quarterback and was going to find ways to do the college RPOs and bring in a lot of college schemes into the NFL game he just had the wrong guy and it was the wrong time. The right, like he was ahead of the game. Like it's these bands that come out and put out a great album. That's ahead of its time. Like if you go back and you listen to the beastie boys, Paul's boutique at the time, not, not universally loved, but now you look back at its genius and you're like, <laughs> Oh, they were onto something. This might actually be their best album that they ever did. I think Josh McDaniels has an opportunity here with the Raiders. I think that Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think they've built a foundation there. I think they're ready to take a next step. And I think Josh McDaniels is a guy 
who's going to be able to do that. And I think that with the running game that they have with Josh Jacobs, with Derek, I think they need to bring in one more big-name guy. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to be Devontae Adams because he's likely to stay in Green Bay under the franchise tag. But I think Josh McDaniels has made a pretty good move, and I think this is a pretty good opportunity for him. And I guess it means that Belichick's going to coach for, like, another 30 years. Because it's like, who – talk about retire. Like, I thought that McDaniels stayed the first time because yeah. Belichick was on the cusp of retiring. But yeah. it's like, well, at, at some point you're like, okay, if you're never retiring, I'm finally going to take one of these gigs. <laughs> right. And the Raiders are a pretty good one. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. This was fun. Uh, Canada, you realize now why I fell in love with Adam Rank. Strays for Jimmy G, Detroit, and Mahomes' <laughs> old back. Adam Rank, always appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks to Jeff and uh, for bringing me on. And thanks to Rich Gannon for <laughs> yeah. taking the oh, afternoon I forgot about off. Rich Gannon took a stray right off the top. I'll replace Bro, Mahomes' old back way, with, with I'm gonna, Rich Gannon. I'm going to blood sell Rich Gannon. It's what's going to happen. <laughs> That's all right, buddy. Be well. Great talking Thanks. to you. Uh, there is Adam team. Rank, who normally chops it up with Martin Geyer and has the uh, the references just go through the roof, but he was on fire today. Scorched earth yeah, today. Absolute fire. <laughs> All right, time for a break. When we come back, are we going to fit this Rafael Nadal conversation in here? Because we haven't got there yet. David Amber is coming up. We've got some hockey coming up. But Rafa Nadal. Next. Seven friends? Maybe? 21. In the immortal words of uh, Barrington Levy. Oh, yeah. Like strays from Adam Rank throughout. He was on fire. Yeah, it was wild. And one of the strays was uh, the Detroit Lions, obviously. <laughs> uh, Bo said, Lions fan here, Adam Rank is right. The Lions should be contracted. No excuse. <laughs> Still cheering for Stafford, though. I, I, I read a lot. Listen, my, my, we got some connections to Windsor. Obviously, Windsor across the border, for those who don't know, mm-hmm. from Detroit. A lot of Lions fans in Windsor. I read from a lot of my friends the exact same thing. Like, they were just cheering for Stafford because he got the bleep kicked out of him in Detroit, and they were happy to see him go somewhere where he could finally proved that he was among the elite. I respect fans of long, struggling teams, probably more than teams that win every year. This is the Ray Bork of the NFL, I think. Like, I went wrestling with Adam Rank mm. for Matt Stafford, but this is Ray Bork, like, great. Some, uh, maybe Ray Bork was better before he left Boston, went to Colorado and got the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I don't know. People loved when he went to Colorado and won the Stanley right, Cup. Right, like, people in Boston cheered for yeah. him. I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, Axe said, Rank is going off on the Lions. Uh, was happy about it. Laughing. A couple laughing emojis. Uh, Chris, can you please get Adam Rank on more often? The WWE references alone are worth a weekly uh, time slot. Hashtag Iron Mike Sharp. Hashtag Steve Lombardi. So, nice. Classic uh, jobbers. I mean, he did go after Rich Gannon right off the hop. Yeah, uh, Rich but, is our dude. But Rich is our dude. Like yeah. the Monday, what, Monday ap- Monday evening quarterback? Monday afternoon quarterback? Monday afternoon. There morning. you go. Thanks yeah. for listening. That's it. Yeah, Monday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'm good. Uh, Frank writes in with an interesting <laughs> part of the conversation here <laughs> and says, wouldn't it be great if we got as much buy-in from the professional Canadian basketball players as we do from the international soccer players? Interesting. We could put in one hell of an international basketball team if all of the players would get on board. Here's my counter to that. There's no culture in basketball to show up the way everybody shows up in the World Cup. And because there's so much money in the World Cup, 
the national programs can actually support the players mm -hmm. and the team properly. And that was part of the problem back in the day with Canada when guys like, you know, um, a de Guzman or a Hoylet were thinking about representing other countries because there was no money around it and you were flying coach to a lot of these games in Central America. Like it was, ask Craig Forrest how tough it was. I, I think that Canada basketball, if they get to that level, will see the same thing. But make no mistake, if Canada makes the World Cup, this may never change in Canadian soccer because they're going to have the money in the program. I just wonder... And it's a bleep load of money. Yeah, I just wonder if, like, NBA players, especially when they're stars, like, they already get so much adulation and love from the fans. And, this, I mean, the soccer players do too. But I'm not sure if they feel... I don't know. It's a tough argument to make because I'm basically calling them less patriotic than the soccer players. But what I'm saying is that they're already up on this, like, grand pedestal NBA players. Right. And not every soccer player is. Some of them play in really top leagues. Some of them don't. But yeah. when you're already in the NBA, it feels like there's uh, not much more you can accomplish. So it's a tougher draw, I would think, right. to want to play just, for the national team in basketball than soccer. But I could be wrong about that. Two things that I want to add is, like, People don't know that when Steve Nash was playing for Canada, there were times where people didn't know who was going to pay his insurance. Yeah. Like, the insurance on his con Like, it's ridiculous that we were in that spot, but that's where Canada basketball was at that point. The other part of this is, if you make a World Cup and you play, say, we'll take Sam, for example, mm -hmm. and he's playing on a newly promoted Super League team in Turkey. He could be the next one to make a nice move and a nice money move. Milan Borian. Like, if, if Matt Turner, the United yeah. States keeper, I know he's younger, is going to Arsenal, mm -hmm. and Borian, who's 34, may be different. Like, he could get a move out of just the last couple of games. Like, all of these things make the World Cup different than anything else. And half of it is, if you're not at that highest level, you can get to that yeah. highest level through yeah. a World Cup, and... If you're at that highest level and you win a World Cup, you become a legend. Yes. And I don't know that there's another sport like that. I know the hockey players want to make it as such for the Olympics, but the World Cup, it'll get you to leagues if you play well, and it'll get you more adulation if you're already there. Like, for you, do you think, watching what the soccer players have done and how they've basically captivated this entire country. Like, do you think NBA players are sitting there watching this and thinking that would be really cool if we did that on the basketball side or, or, if, or no, because it's different, different sport. No, I, I think that it would get there. And I think that that's what Canada basketball has to sell to the players is what you just saw on the soccer side of things could be what we do on the basketball side of things if everyone commits. And it's just not, like, look at the United States. They don't get the best players every time. No. Right? When they do, when they do, they do damage. And right. Canada would be similar if we get everybody. would be probably a silver medal team. Yes. But uh, we've got to get there, you got to <laughs> qualify, and then you got to get everybody. Come on, guys, come on. Honestly, I think, I think it would be similar. Yeah. I honestly think it would be similar if they got there. We're going to get to Nadal. We gotta take the break. It's now. just it's it's not like he did anything. He just won a five set Aussie Open final. I wanted to uh, I wanted to get slam. to some of the engagement on Twitter. That's what we do on yeah, the show. Yeah, we have to. After the break, eventful day. <laughs>
Hockey Day in Canada. Eventful night in the NHL. Three games coming your way on the Sportsnet family of channels. After Rogers' hometown hockey, David Amber will join us to discuss it all next right here on Timmy Friends. Love you, Rafa. Sorry. Welcome back, friends. We are less than a half an hour away from Rogers' hometown hockey with Ron and Tarts, followed by the Devils and the Leafs on Sportsnet East in Ontario. Jack Campbell will be in net for the Leafs. Peter Morazic tabbed to start in the back, the uh, back-to-back, second half of the back-to-backs tomorrow in Jersey. Sportsnet West, but available to all nationally. The streaky Oilers take their four-game winning streak into Ottawa to face the Sens. The Oilers put up seven against the Habs on Saturday, including Evander Kane's first goal with the Oilers. Miko Kostinen returns between the pipes for the Oilers. And on Sportsnet Pacific, it is the Canucks in Chicago to take on the Hucks. New GM Patrick Alvine has joined the team in Chicago and the Canucks goalie carousel continues. Yaroslav Halak getting the start tonight for the Canucks. Alright, uh, time to talk to one of our favorites in the business ahead of a busy night in the NHL, and that is David Amber, who joins us now from the Amber Homestead. Thank you for doing this, Mr. Amber. How are you, buddy? Can I still say Happy New Year? It's uh, last day of January. You can no. still slip in the Happy no, New Year, right? No, I know you're a nice guy, and I know you're just trying to be kind, <laughs> but we're way past that dead point, aren't we? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, happy early Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, I love it. As a, fellow, as a fellow host, I don't want to hijack the show, but I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, it's pouring out of me. I'm, I have to say I'm professing my love to the Canadian national men's team. I, the interview, I saw the, the back half of your interview with Sam. These guys are incredible. It's not just that they're winning, but to me, Tim, they are the fabric of what it, Canada's all about, right? Yeah. Like they just epitomize what makes our country so great, right? You get... Alfonso Davies, a refugee from Ghana, and Jonathan David, you know, born in, in New York, but then raised a little bit in Haiti, comes here for a better life. And and what can you say about Milan? Right, comes from Yugoslavia, and you saw how emotionally he was post-game. I love this team, and we need, you know, unity right now, and I think this team is doing a great job to sort of bring us into a united front. So I, I, as a sports fan yesterday, to sit down and watch that, and I know you guys were talking about Nadal, that was fun too, and then the, the NFL games. It was a fantastic time. I know it's been tough for so many people, but I'm really excited about this uh, Canadian men's team, much like I was for the women's team. Without a doubt. I'm right there with you, and like I, I do romanticize sports, and I allow myself to romanticize sports, but the unity that sports can bring to a country is unlike... I don't know any... I don't know... I love the arts... I don't know a play that can bring people together the way we saw the scenes in Hamilton. I don't know. Even there are, you know, great acts that are kind of generate. This is multi-generational. We can share it with our kids. Our, our grandfathers and grandmothers can watch it the same way as we can watch it. I just looking at those pictures from Hamilton, it was like the very best in sports. I'm with you. Uh, there, it, was, it was so cool. Yeah. So it was so cool, much needed. And, and the, the, the American coach with all the belly aching, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, you're making excuses. You want to know what an unfair advantage is? Not a thin field. Having 10 times the population of your opponent. There's your unfair advantage. It's ridiculous. Look <laughs> at Amber. fired up today. By the way, as a fellow host, I love when you hijack the show. I have, <laughs> I have no worries whatsoever. I love talking sports with other human beings. Uh, yeah. That's hey, awesome. Listen, I know we're, we're on to talk hockey, and, uh, and Hockey Day was spectacular. And if you want to see a host showcasing his skills, my goodness, Ron McClain out there for 13 hours on the ice, bringing in this guest, bringing in that guest, and just 
you know, bringing history and context to everything and, the, and putting the fabric together for the game. It was so incredible to watch. I was pretty much in awe. Uh, watching him do his thing and Anthony Stewart it was so fun to get Stewie out there because Stewie's doing so many good things for the the hockey community right now so it was it was a really fun day for us on Saturday as a guy what I call uh, who grew up uh, Scarborough adjacent uh, I was Scarborough I'm, I'm like 13 seconds over the border from Scarborough to North York I rep mm-hmm. Scarborough because I'm so damn close to it and you know my son plays baseball in Scarborough my wife teaches in Scarborough like we are tied to Scarborough but it was very cool to see where and and I'm gonna get Stewie on the show but how far Stewie's come to mm-hmm. get to a spot where he was hosting hockey night in Canada alongside Ron McLean from Scarborough in what was like an emergency uh, replacement for Owen Sound. Like, it's just, it was very cool to watch. And Stewie is so tied into the hockey community, one of the most liked, you know, universally liked guys as both a teammate uh, and certainly as a teammate for us now on Sportsnet. He's sensational. And I can't say enough about what he's doing with hockey equality. I've gone out and I've seen the initiative. I've met some of the kids. Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, he's changing lives. And and you know what this is? This is the whole pay it forward because he knows there was a few people that helped him out along the way when he didn't have money. And he talks a lot about taking two buses to the games and, yeah. you know, not having food on the table all the time. And, and he went through a pretty tough upbringing at times. And there were some certain people that lent them, you know, some help along the way. And he yeah. didn't forget about that. He didn't take that for granted. And now he's doing the same thing for some young men and some young women who are trying to sort of make their strides in the game as well. So it's it's beautiful, full circle, and uh, it, he really is a wonderful guy. And, yeah, he's turned into quite a quite a broadcaster as well, so it's, it's fun to see. Okay, so let's talk about uh, that Saturday, not Saturday night, the whole day. What stood out to you the most of what we saw on the ice? Was it the Leafs storming back in Detroit? Was it the Oilers uh, putting the big boys all on different lines, scoring seven goals? Like, what stood out to you the most? I'd say two or three things jumped out, and you touched on a couple of them. If I were to say the Oilers are going to score a season-high seven goals, 14 of their 18 players are going to have a point, and Connor McDavid isn't going to have a point, you'd be like, whatever. I mean, what would be the Vegas odds on that, right? (laughs) Uh, And that's this isn't to knock Connor McDavid. My point is, I think the early returns, and granted it was against the Montreal team that didn't, you know, pretty listless, have shown no emotion, but the early returns on, on having Kane with McDavid and, and Dreisaitl with Pugliarvi, and then having RNH and Hyman on your third line. I mean, my goodness, that's a pretty formidable top nine you have there and balanced scoring. And, you know, maybe it will change the complexion of the team. I asked Kevin Bieksa, you know, can one player actually change the complexion of a team like this? And he said, if it brings a certain swagger and a certain arrogance is the wrong word, but a certain confidence and guys are playing a little bigger, then yeah, it can change things. And I know this is one game. I don't want to, you know, overstate this, but at least the early return seeing Evander Kane there, uh, it was pretty formidable how much it changed the complexion of that Oiler team. So that was one thing. Uh, what was really fun for us, and you talked about Scarborough, we were honoring Scarborough. In fact, we interviewed Michael Bunting after the game, and you know he said, "Oh, this is really cool to do on Hockey Night in Scarborough." <laughs> we're like, "Well, hold on a minute, so long in Canada." But um, you know, for him to score the hat trick, a Scarborough kid. And the Leafs to score five unanswered in the third period. And I thought, you know, Detroit might run out of gas. They played on Friday back-to-back against a very good team. But I didn't think the Leafs were going to come roaring back against a pretty good Detroit team in that fashion. So that was impressive. And the third thing that caught my eye was, you know, Calgary, you know, they really stifled Vancouver top to bottom 
uh, in their game in the nightcap, a, a seventh shutout for Jacob Markstrom. That to me looks like a team, and I'm not sure what's going to happen come the postseason, but they look one like a playoff team, and I think they're going to add a piece. I do think the Evander Kane moving up uh, you know, in Edmonton has put maybe a little bit more pressure even on Brad Trey Living to take a really candid look at his team and sort of say it's the window right now. Uh, with Johnny Goudreau about to become a free agent and everything else. And I think this Calgary team is built for the playoffs, big, tough, rugged, uh, maybe a little bit more scoring could be something they'd look towards. But I uh, I really like the complexion of that team, especially with the way Markstrom's playing. So a few things caught my eye. So it was, it was a fun night for us. And you're showing Johnny Goudreau right now. My goodness, I mean, Fire. he's just been sensational. One of the great chats right now, Tim, is, you know, Goudreau's a UFA, Kadri's a UFA, Philip Forsberg's UFA. Like, who would you want to go and try and pick out of the bunch? Because there's some pretty good guys who are going to get paid quite handsomely uh, come the summertime. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm glad you brought up the Flames uh, because they have been really good. Four of six over the last little while. Markstrom gets healthy, and when he's good, they are really good. Um, but I, I wonder if, listen, I sat here not knowing what the Oilers were going to do. And I said, if, if every time you hit a bad 20-game stretch, you fire everybody, it's not a good position for your franchise to be in. And this little move, the, the, the Tibet move to shuffle up the lines for Montreal and now Ottawa tonight, I, like, I think it's really interesting, the timing of this, and whether or not he's trying to get some mojo going here against Montreal. And listen, Ottawa's been scrappy, but they're not of the quality that some of the other teams are going to face. And I wonder if the timing on this was kind of pre-planned by Mr. Tippett. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I think he had some cards to play. I think it's funny. We sat there on Saturday and we said, look how things have changed in a week. A week earlier, Edmonton was on a seven-game losing streak, and after 20 minutes, they were trailing 2-0 to Calgary, and the the sky was falling. Everyone was getting fired. Everyone was getting traded. It was, you know, it was horrible. Uh, A week later, they come back. They win that game against Calgary. They go on a three-game winning streak. They win now. They have a four-game winning streak. The narrative has completely been flipped on its side. People forget all about the two wins in 15 games. And now Dave Tippett's able to maybe relax a little bit, do a few different things, and not be scrutinized to to the level he was before. Uh, Koskinen maybe has his confidence back, which is a huge factor in his play improving. So uh, it's interesting. And this is the time to sort of test the waters and see. You need the two points. We get that. But you have the ability, I think, to go into buildings, whether it's Montreal or Ottawa, without fans, which does change the complexion there and the emotion level there, to, to tinker a little bit. You know what I actually feel bad about? It's Connor McDavid's only trip to Ottawa this year. What would have been a, a pretty special night for, for Ottawa fans to see. 97 in person has been wiped away, but, you know, that that happens, but it's just unfortunate. All right, last one for you, and it's been one that Jesse and I have gone back and forth on, and and I want to state my position on the Toronto Maple Leafs blowing leads of late and allowing more goals than they did to start the year. I mean, at one point, Jack Campbell led the league in goals against average and save percentage, and it looked like this Leafs team might be different. Now, over the last eight games, they have allowed 29 goals. And I believe that teams will evolve and the best teams can use uh, dull moments or, or tough moments during a season to propel them further in a season. But the 29 goals in their last eight games, now 5-2-1 and one in those eight. Are you worried about the Leafs' defense at all? Um, I, I think the concern, Tim, is when you look at the championship teams, and if this is the team that you know Kyle Dubas and Brandon Shannon and everyone are trying to develop, obviously, as a championship team, they have such great depth on defense, right? Um, you know, Tampa Bay, they weren't running 60. They, they always had that seventh and eighth guy. They were bringing in, you know, the, the, the Luke Shens and the Bogosians. They were bringing in guys off, you know, 
on their roster that were sitting there idly waiting to come in and, and help out. And I think the depth is the big question. I think what's nice for the Leafs is they're, they're secured into a playoff spot. And quite frankly, I don't know if it matters if they play Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Boston. I, I don't think it matters. They're going to have to play incredibly well to get through the first round. So with that in mind, it's good to be able to run Dermot out there, Lilligren out there, um, Sandine out there now, and to find out what you have and to really be able to assess it. And one thing about Kyle Dubas and Shannon, I think they're, 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 they're very measured in their approach. They're not irrational and just going to go out to do something to do something. I think they want to really identify what needs to be done, Tim, and what they need probably, and I'm sure they're aware of this, is a little bit more depth on the blue line. But they also want to know what kind of depth, you know, and the name that keeps coming up is Ben Sherrod and, and you know, buddy of Kevin Bieksa. Bieksa wants him to come to Toronto. He thinks that'd be a perfect fit, and maybe it yeah. will be. So it'd be interesting to see the Leafs and Habs make a deal. But, um, you know, I, I think we, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, if they're looking at their organization, they're, they're probably saying we need to add another defenseman. But right now with Muzzin uh, being on the shelf for some time, they've had the opportunity to see exactly what they have. And I think that's an important thing moving forward. On or off the air, love shooting the breeze with you. Thanks for doing this, David. Be well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, there is David Amber, host Hockey Night in Canada. Time for a quick break. When we come back, we'll check in with Ron and Tara, head of hometown hockey, and get you the last call with Jesse Rubinoff. Rubinoff, McLean, Tara, next. Another way. It's Monday time now for a tip of the cap, which goes to Christian Eriksen, who signed with England's Brentford today as he gets ready to make his return to the field after suffering what was a horrific cardiac arrest during the European Championships this past summer. Now, he's been cleared by doctors to resume training and is expected to join the club next week. We, of course, wish him nothing but the best with this remarkable comeback as the whole soccer community tips their cap to Christian Eriksen, and so do we. Also, a tip of the cap to Ron McLean, who is back on the air tonight for Rogers Hometown Hockey after hosting, I don't know, 13 hours of coverage on Saturday's Hockey Day in Canada. Hometown Hockey pregame with Ron and Tara is coming up in minutes immediately following us with a preview of what you'll see tonight. Let's send it off to the aforementioned Ron McLean and Tara Sloan. Hey, Tim, thanks kindly. I'm just teaching Tara Sloan Scarborough. No, I'm not teaching. <laughs> you, you keep yeah, that Wexford. You keep that and I'll uh, we'll stick to the Oxford uh, dictionary here. So big night tonight. Obviously, uh, poor Matt Marstrom, Steve Lopez, who produced and directed uh, Saturday Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. And now they've got three telecasts. It's going to be like an air traffic control center over here with uh, great games, Tara. Well, great games, great matchups. And we have some fantastic storylines we're, we're following. And this really came to us on the heels of Hockey Day in Canada. That was so much about if you can see it, you can be it. And so we have some young up-and-comers uh, joining us, young Dayton O'Donoghue. She's 16 years old. She plays for the Toronto Arrows. She's Bauer's new poster child. She's heading to the All-Star Game in Vegas. And you can see why. She's nicknamed Speedy, and she's going to be joining us to talk about her journey. And Washie Jeannot, we're also going to feature just a little bit. Ten yeah. years old. And Lanny McDonald. <laughs> just so Lanny doesn't feel like we're dating him. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a, a whole slew of great trick shot performances tonight. And uh, Renee Hess, Black Girl Hockey Club, is uh, responsible for Dayton's love and uh, ability to go further with her hockey career and so many others. So we'll tell that story. And two great guests and two stories that kind of connect the coasts. Stan Smeal, of course, is from St. Paul, Alberta, but he's the pride of New Westminster Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. And when we interview Stanley, the steamer, in the uh, first intermission, it'll be a treat. And then we go all the way uh, 
to Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, we were supposed to be in Gander, I guess, just over a month ago. We didn't get there. We hope to get there soon because it's been on our bucket list forever. Uh, but we tell the story about how the arena there uh, really became a, a landing pad for so many on 9-11. The control center of the transatlantic Gander, Newfoundland and Labrador. Tim, that's all coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, this Scarborough boy would love to get to Gander with the hometown hockey crew. Uh, yes. I've only been once to Newfoundland and Labrador, and my God, was it a good time. So, uh, any play about Gander, right? Uh, come from away. Yeah. Really, yeah, really got saw it. Fantastic play. We're talking about that idea of the land, the planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um, Okay, the Raptors taking on the Atlanta Hawks. You mentioned four games in five nights. That's going to be difficult, but at least uh, Trey Young is not playing for the Hawks tonight. Oh, He's officially yoke. out. Yeah. Uh, he had a super short warm-up, according to Chris Kirshner, who's on the beat for the Hawks. Uh, kept working his shoulder after uh, almost every shot, so it looks like uh, Trey Young is officially out. So so after the, uh, the 50 minutes plus for the Raptors starters, they catch a bit of a break in Atlanta, but as you mentioned, uh, playing... Four games, five nights after a triple OT on Saturday night in Miami. What a game that was. Like, it was um, thoroughly enjoyable. Yes. It felt like so many times they could have won. So many times it felt like the Heat were pulling away. It just wouldn't end. Yeah. Like, just a random Saturday night ended up being an amazing That's game. the Raptors culture. They, yeah. they fight and they claw for absolutely everything and getting a win in Miami. Like, I know that they're going to be tired. I know that we might see a couple guys miss a game here or there because mm-hmm. of that. But the fact that they just fight and claw for everything gives them a chance. Totally. We promised that we would get to this. So we are. The Aussie Open. Bravo! This on the women's side, it was right. Australian Ashley, Ashley Barty. Barty. <laughs> on her home soil, defeating Danielle Collins, who was an awesome story. Uh, we had talked about that earlier in the week. Uh, that one was in straight sets. Well, Rafael Nadal fought back from down two sets to none to beat Daniil Medvedev. As Rafa becomes the first male tennis player to win 21 Grand Slams. Unbelievable. Timmy, Nadal turns 36 in June. How did he do this? To do it at 35 is remarkably impressive. To do it after going down two sets to none is remarkably impressive. To do it in over five hours is remarkably impressive. And to do it against one of the best players on planet Earth outside of the one who's not there in Novak Djokovic... Also remarkably impressive. The one thing that caught me was in the post, I thought I heard Rafael Nadal said, wasn't sure if I was going to come back here next year. Mm -hmm. Are we at the point now, at 21, now one ahead of Federer and Djokovic going into the French Open where we might see another year of Rafael Nadal because he won this tournament? Like, was he set to retire at the end of this year, but now realizing he could get a couple more of these slams under his belt, is starting to rethink it. Like, can you retire as the champion of the Australian Open? I mean, these guys have accomplished so much over the course of their career. It feels like they can decide to call it quits whenever they want. They've earned that right, obviously. But yeah, it looks like going to the French Open is going to be an overwhelming favorite, you would think. This guy could be at... 22 by the end of the year, maybe even more than that, which is ridiculous when you consider. And you have to take into account what's happening with Novak in the future too. Nobody knows when he's going to be able to play at any of these Grand Slams, if any. I bet he'll be back this year. So uh, we'll see. As we mentioned earlier, uh, the Sens host the Oilers tonight nationally on Sportsnet West. Sens forward Tyler Ennis spoke pregame and was asked, among other things, about his hair. Have a listen. Hair. 
inspired bringing the, the flow back like you had earlier here? <laughs> uh, just laziness, I guess, maybe. Um, switching it up, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, also, my mom cuts my hair, so I haven't seen her in a while. So we'll see uh, next time if uh, she thinks uh, I should get a cut. <laughs> That's good. Cut or uncut? And it's his mom cutting his hair. Uncut. That's <laughs> so good. Well, right now it's uncut. I Literally, a, he hasn't cut it. I need a haircut as we as we talk about that. I don't mean to, I didn't I didn't mean to do that, but I just one of those things. You do know? what? Make it about yourself. It's one of those things that you just. <laughs> I gotta get a haircut. Um, yeah, uncut. so it's uncut. Yeah. Okay, good. Especially uh, now in a pandemic, if yes. your mom can cut your hair, my mother-in-law is a hairstylist. Really? She's been cutting a lot of hair around our house, I'll tell you that much. Do you have any beard tips? Not mine, but <laughs> No beard tips? No, she did say when are you using the Just for Men. Right. Okay. Uh, we'll have to follow up on that a little bit later. Um, let's stick with one more cut or uncut to finish this off. Uh, cut or uncut, Milan Borjan's sweatpants. Listen, when you play the way Milan Borjan, <laughs> are we calling him the Borjan Wall yet? I think some people are. When we you play that. the way Milan Borjan has played over the last little while, not just to the left against Honduras, not just to the right against Honduras, down low to get it. To the left, down low to get it, to, and then against the United States, reflex off the top bar and parrying, parrying it over into no man's land where it was safe. You can dress any way you damn well please. So for me, this track pants gate that is that is reaching back into soccer's past and bringing it to the future, I say Milan Borian. That is completely and utterly uncut. That's right, friends. Uncut. That does it for us. Ron McLean is coming up <laughs> next. Right here on the Sportsnet family of channels. Tara Sloan standing by with a little hometown hockey. That's right, kids. A reminder, three different games available nationally at 7.30 Eastern. The Devils and the Leafs on Sportsnet East and Ontario. The Oilers and the Sens are available on Sportsnet West. And the Canucks and Hawks are on Sportsnet Pacific. We've also got the Raptors and the Hawks. They're on Sportsnet One. Pre-game about to get underway. No Trey Young for the Hawks. You, my friends, have yourself a great night. Rogers Hometown Hockey is coming up next with Ron McLean and Tara Sloan. Anywhere I got you covered. Borean. Classic, my friend. Classic. <laughs>